Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And I am Nicholas Walker. And then me, I'm Brett White. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Houlihan, and we are here to discuss the Buffy Season 3 episode, and for its 25th anniversary! Yeah, my bones are dust, much <laughs> yes. like a vampire's. <laughs> One of my students the other day said in class, oh, I'm really old, I'm 20, and I was like, please don't say that. <laughs> I will oh, here's a wake up call. school down. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets an F. Um, so, uh, I guess, how did we feel revisiting this episode? I don't know. This is an episode I do revisit like this. So for me, I'm just like, yeah, this is the episode that I love. Um, I don't really know why, but this time around the whole like Chanterelle, Lily and of it all, like, I don't know. It really, was like getting me like in an emotional way. Yeah, I was just like, man, this is like, because we just, we discussed her on Angel recently because she, you know, popped up and I'm just like, man, her development is wild. And I love that. It's like, so it doesn't matter if you notice her or not. Like, it's fine if you don't. But if you do, it's like so good, right? She's the blood money episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's in. Yeah. It'll wash. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. like her. And Angel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the uh, finale of Angel 2. She comes back and oh. goes to see her. Yeah. Love her. Love this actress. Love this episode. Gets me every time. Every time I watch it, it's both more and less. Like they do so much more with less time than I think that they have in this episode yes. every time. Yes. Uh, Nick? I love this episode. I think that this is the first step. Well, maybe not the first, but this episode to me really mm-hmm. showcases what Buffy is capable of, like as a show versus just, you know, being in the library and, and in the graveyard. So it's, uh, it expands the scope much more, which I oh, really, God. really liked. And yes. it has one of my favorite fuck yeah <laughs> moments, like empowering moments when she is, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer, and you are, it's everything to me. Yeah. I get so yeah. pumped every single time I see it. And her like shit eating grin when she says it too, <sighs> like ah, oh, so good. Uh, Brett, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's exactly why when you send out an email of like what season three episodes are people interested in that that moment of just <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you, but I, I I love how it's kind of a recurring theme and like season premieres of Buffy are, are always like she's going up against people who do not know her and underestimate her. Cause we get that again in season oh, yeah. four with uh, Sunday and all those vampires. But I really love this one because she's in such a weird, bad place. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah. And I just, man, Oh, and like you were saying about how it does so much, like, you know, as someone that watched, a couple of seasons of Arrowverse shows <laughs> shows that were like so clearly, you know, the grandchild of Buffy or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, man, those shows, they hung out in labs and then they went to warehouses and that is it. <laughs> and, you know? And the fact that like this, there's the shot um, where Buffy, when she's like, the uprising is rising, honey. And she's running and the camera's like going along with it. That long tracking shot through that entire like industrial warehouses. She's beaten up all. It's like, this is huge. It's great. Yeah. 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 They make so much out of the parts. And I think it, like it it just it and, and it doesn't take place in Sunnydale and she doesn't have like the story doesn't have any of our existing characters to lean on. It yeah. just does what it has to do. It's it's great. It really is masterful. <laughs> 
it makes me think that this is a whole different show. Like there is another version of this show. If it was made like um, 20 years earlier where it's like the incredible Hulk, but it's Buffy. Yeah. (laughs) She's just going from like hopeless situation to hopeless situation and freeing people from. That's uh, what I wanted for the faith spinoffs. Faith and spike on bikes. Yeah. Cross country. (laughs) I'm still forever bitter that we didn't get that faith show because I do think you're, you're right, Brett. This showed you that it could work like that format. Mm -hmm would work and i'm not even that big of a fan of that kind of format because i love an ensemble but like it really does work right like and i think it's i I, a lot i mean as we all often say a lot of it is credit to sarah michelle geller like she can carry a scene god so well (laughs) oh my god i mean she she makes other actors look so talented and i'm not saying that they're not it's just it can't be coincidental that everyone she shares a scene with has their best moments with her like <laughs> yeah. she's she must just be a really great actor to like work with like i and i mean that in the sense of like i've worked with actors who are not great and actors who are really <laughs> great and it's like when i worked with i worked uh, this is not me name dropping this is me making a really flattering comparison when we worked with martin short i remember thinking like every single person is so lucky for the few minutes they get to do with him because it'll go right in their reel. Like everyone <laughs> looks so in the moment. And so like, and I feel that way with her acting. It's like it, she really like makes the show. And and I, again, I don't think that this format of like being in another city without any of our existing characters would work if it wasn't for her. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, <clears throat> Ryan, you, you and Nick both have been covering Angel. Like, that's why early season Angel doesn't really work, right? Because it's David mm-hmm. Boreanaz by himself with new characters every time. Yeah. And uh... <laughs> it's, it's, David's great. We love David. Yes, we yes. love David. This is not an anti-David podcast. <laughs> However, Sarah Michelle Gellar is on a level that it's not fair to compare. Yes. Let's say that. Many Let's people say are... Sarah Michelle Gellar went on Dancing with the Stars. She would have won. <laughs> well she was on dancing with the stars last season sitting True. in the audience cheering on selma blair making so me cry yeah. she was the one that i wanted to watch <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well and i think like it, this episode's such a really good encapsulation of her acting prowess i mean did she get a golden globe nom for this episode i don't think so right no um so. but just like in terms of if you're coming into this episode cold she immediately sells you on all of the pain of the season two finale and, you know, the previous two seasons of pain just through like how she is taking orders yeah. <laughs> at, at, a, at, a, at a really, really bad diner. Yeah. Really yeah. bad decor. I mean, leaving a one star review. Helen's kitchen. Leave Helen alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to point out, that I like that we see Willow. I feel like the end of season two into this is when Willow starts to come into her own. So I really like that the opening is like a fake out that you think it's Buffy going to fight a vampire, but it's Willow saying, come and get it, big boy. Like, I really I love, love that. Oh, right? I love the opening. I love. <laughs> so good. I love I love any time that it's just like the Scoobies just trying to carry on without yes. her. Like I yeah. think about the God, the season six premiere a lot where it's yeah. just 
when like when Tara and Anya are bonding over the fact that, you know, their significant others are like, I just love that stuff. And so like <laughs> having this, like Oz getting that really badass moment now in the opening credits, Oz of like getting out that stake and then throwing it. And then the bounce it does off of that tombstone <laughs> is spectacular. Like yes. almost like they did it a hundred times they until did. they got the, the perfect <laughs> bounce and arc of that bounce. It is so good. They had to have. It was as if Pixar had animated a wooden stake. It was delightful. Just so comically, it's just such a comically huge bounce. Just nowhere. It's so good. The like build up music to him throwing it. I like that is shit that like Buffy does so well that I I think you mentioned Brett, like the Arrowverse shows that no hate, peace and love, but I, they're not for me. Um, That like, I feel like they try to get, but Buffy like, Charm tried to do it too, and they didn't like the like, ooh, we're gonna pretend and then lead to a gag. But because Buffy, they like play it straight and don't play a like wah, wah, music, it like yeah. works. Yeah. They let the thing be funny. Yeah. <laughs> They're not yeah. scared that it's not funny. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's sort of like when you watch some sitcoms, Seinfeld was great because they would just let things be funny. Yeah. And not that I just like the show because it's a different show, totally, and it has strengths that Seinfeld does not. But it, when you watch the f- seasons of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they never for a moment let you laugh before the audience is like completely losing their mind in the recording <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, and it is annoying. And and I think when it comes to a show like this, especially an action-adventure show, if you can't make an action adventure scene really sell and like to the point that pulling back for the contrast would be funny, maybe we don't need the joke. Maybe that's yeah. not a great joke for us to do, Alyssa Milano. I don't know. <laughs> well, you notice I didn't bring up Charmed this time, by the way. <laughs> I know. It was me. It was me. <laughs> um, I think you can kind of see that in the um, in the Oz and Willow interaction that has stuck with me my entire life of just the like, yeah, remember how I was like failing all those, you know, <laughs> but you were going to go to school. Yeah. Remember how I didn't go. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it's, you can see a lesser show um, being like, I mean, Hey Seth, can you, can you punch that just a little yeah. harder? But like, but they just trust that like Seth Green's delivery as Oz, Oz is a deadpan character. You, you do not have to over the joke is funny. Oz saying the joke is funny and Willow's response to it is funny. We do not have to, you know, oversell yeah. it. He feels subtly indispensable, even though I know he leaves the show. And I don't <laughs> understand how they maneuvered things for me to like, like a, like a, like the cup game where you put like a, you put like, what is it? Something under a cup and you sh- yeah. shell game. It's like that. They did that with his character so that I wouldn't notice he was gone. But in some of these scenes, I'm like, this scene actually might have read as more nothing or annoying if he wasn't here to like nail some of these lines and like yeah. the delivery. He's so good. And the chemistry with Allison Hannigan is so delightful. It's like back in full force. And I think like you said, we have all these season premieres. I mean, there's a lot. I was sitting here thinking about it after we talked about after you said this, but that it's always about reminding Buffy like yeah. the audience who Buffy is and reminding Buffy who she is and someone not knowing who she is and finding the fuck out. Um, <laughs> and I think they do a good job of also reminding us who everyone else is, right? Like we mm-hmm. get Willow and Willow and Oz giving us really clear versions of themselves. The Xander and Cordelia, which we will get to, like Giles and Joyce, like all the dynamics are really established well up front without fucking up the Buffy pacing of her story. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think like, you know, when, Buffy vs. Dracula just turned 25 too and I rewatched it and like in that he knows who she is but it is him reminding it's like he's reminding her of who she is almost but then yeah. she kicks the shit out of him right like <laughs> so it really is yep. that's how these like 
premieres always start. But yeah, so Nick, what do you what do you think of this opening? I love the opening. I I do love the the stake bouncing off of the the grave moment, but there's there's certain times where Allison Hannigan's acting like it's so subtle the nuance that she, the nuances that she has with her face, but like when the vampire first like gets to his feet and then the camera cuts back to her face, she has just like this momentary look of like, Oh, well maybe I fucked up a little bit. (laughs) And I, I, it lives rent free in my head. I love it. I love those little tiny subtle moments to, I mean, to the point that you guys were talking about where it's not like, it doesn't feel like they're, uh, they're coming to them behind the scenes and going, we need you to add a little bit more to this so that it plays better as a joke. I feel like the writing does the work and then the actors are just allowed to play it naturally. And I think that that's what makes it shine. She does a unique way of, of uh, not telegraphing, communicating self doubt extremely subtly, even, and even the nuances of of like, I don't like when, when Willow's in denial of her own self doubt or when Willow's covering up her self doubt or whatever. And it gives the character like this vulnerability that like, no offense to Riff Regan, I don't think a lot of other people could have done. Um, And I think that that's why things like the music and everything really do come together. Because if you, if you read a script that's really great and you look back at the dailies and they're really good, like everyone wants to bring the sauce to that. You know what I mean? It, yeah. you, you show up and you do a great job when everyone else is showing up and doing a great job. Um, and you can already see that in the opening. And it, it is a reminder too of why this is my favorite season because everything just sings so well. Yeah, yeah. I like, I think the moment that the opening credits go and you see Seth Green in the opening credits, like I keep thinking <sighs> about how it is almost like Seth Green and they're ki- therefore kind of Oz's involvement in this season adds a weird uh fourth wall breaking seal of approval almost to the show because i remember being at when because i watched this when it aired and seth green was like the coolest dude you know like Mm -hmm. he was just like the coolest and like the fact that he was like oh my god he's on buffy like he's on this show on the wb that all my friends make fun of me for watching you know (laughs) yeah Uh, but then i think that he also brings that to Oz and it is like I've never really thought about Oz uh, this deeply I guess but there is something to like the fact that he is all in on the hunting vampires and he's throwing stakes and stuff it and I don't know it adds stakes (laughs) it adds there's like a lot more buy-in I guess Uh, just because Oz I think in season two, you see, like, he could take or leave any of this. Like, he's yes. here for Willow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, with 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 her goes my world or uh, that's whatever that quote was. Um, it's so, like the fact that he's on board, I think, adds a lot undergirds. <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the drama. Don't look at my undergirds. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I mean, I always say, like, the reason I feel like I very much started to get into the show, which was during season three, was because Oz and Faith. Like, they were so cool to me. And they still fucking are at 40 cool to me. But, like, teen me was like, I want to, I mean, I would say I wanted to be Oz and wanted to date Faith. It was switched, but I still wanted to be (laughs) both of them, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, and I feel like, especially for those of us at a certain age, like even though I still consider Oz cool, like he right, Brent, like you're not joking. He was so cool back then. Right. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, he was fucking uh little evil. Got Scott evil, like <laughs> little evil. Uh, 
And Wimbles can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait was 99. So that that's like, like at this. the end yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I mean, like, this is like, he was just the, the episode of X-Files, you know, like, he's just <laughs> the coolest. Plus, like, he's like effortlessly cool. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. That really is, which is like, like I, it, like bringing up can't hardly wait. Like the the characters are so completely opposite. <laughs> yes, and yeah. I lo- like, and I love that in Buffy they they point that out several times that Oz like barely even talks. He's yeah. very uh, w- w- what do they call him monoslavic or something like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saying that he, you know, he's never really talking, doesn't really care all that much in the episode in this season. Earshot when they're listening into his head, he's just completely in another world. <laughs> yeah but he's still cool he 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 uh it's a confident choice by an actor to play it like this on this kind of show where everyone else is not yeah yeah, yeah he he has such a different energy and i think that that is why he slides in so so well i mean I like, bet he does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all my dreams are coming true um but yeah i'm you know i i'm really appreciate this oz love fest because when we did cover season three 500 years ago uh for the first time i felt like i was the one being like oh but oz and everyone would be like yeah all right ian he's okay <laughs> but i do think also it's a I don't always think of, you know, Seth Green the way we think of Sam Michelle Geller, but it is a credit to his acting that Oz, like, he pulls it off and that is very much not how he is. He is, like, ADD, hyper, nerdy kid, nonstop yeah. talking, and Oz is... On beta opposite. blockers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and like, also, like, Oz is the first new addition to the Scoobies since Jenny Calendar, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, it is interesting to see, like, I don't know, like, and, you know, being an X-Men comic book fan, I was always into the, the like, ooh, Rogue's a member now, you know, yeah, like yeah. that Jubilee's <laughs> is on the big leagues, like that kind of thing. So seeing, like, Oz really step into uh, being a full-time Scooby is really cool. And I yeah. love watching, I mean, we got to get out of the scene and get back to the high school, but I love watching <laughs> these scenes where um, Buffy's gone and everybody has to work together. I just think it's so fun and it reminds us how good Buffy is at her job. And <laughs> yep. they spent this entire episode trying to go after one guy who unexpectedly, they're like, wait a second, wasn't he on the like gymnast team? Yeah. Like, something? It's like, that's not fair. <laughs> they had not accounted that he could do a backflip and it threw their whole plan <laughs> into <laughs> chaos. <laughs> so yes, we, we get, we'll, what is it that Xander then calls her on saying, come and get it, big boy. And Oz is like, I, I recommend this time it's personal. Um, Xander says he can't wait to see Cordelia, which I feel like is all of us watching this episode. All the, all the gays watching is like, <laughs> that's me all the day, da- all the damn time. <laughs> True. Um, we cut to Buffy on the beach with Angel. I always appreciate the like, well, we killed that character, but you all know they're not leaving the show because they're still in the credits. So we'll put them in a bunch of dream scenes until they come back. I love giving people a paycheck. I think yeah, it's well, it's great. contractual obligation. <laughs> David Boreanaz is not recurring. He is ranked 22 episodes, damn it. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. Uh, Ryan, one of the, I, I don't remember if it was with you, when uh, we were talking about, I think it might've been Kate in Angel season one and Summer Bishop was like, She's in this episode because she got a 13 episode order. That's why she's in this episode. <laughs> I know. And it's usually me playing producer. And then you have a real actor who's done like real negotiations. And it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is not like a what if scenario. <laughs> she can feel yeah. it. <laughs> um, so we we see Buffy's dream and then she wakes up. And I I really like this like 
pan. I like that when she wakes up, she just kind of is like depressed and we pan across like LA with a cop car driving by with the sirens on and like it just stays on it and it doesn't, there's no like jokey beat. It's just like, yeah, Buffy's depressed. <laughs> yeah, she is. And, and it and it plays so well with apparently what the writing staff of the Buffyverse feels <laughs> about Christ. the city of Los Angeles. They fucking hate LA. And you know what? I agree. <laughs> I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm saying like they really wanted to make it. They were here to make it clear that they hate LA to the degree that a lot of people from LA have told me that while watching the show, they thought it was New York. Like they just assumed she was in New York. And I wanted to be like, no, Buffy in New York would be a delightful romp. This is Buffy in like the Valley or something. Go fuck yourself. Um, But yeah, it's really depressing. We got to this depressing diner um, and it's on that LA street where Angel's foes always get murdered. Yeah. Is one of the, is one of these shots in the opening credits of Angel? There's like a shot of like a woman on like a street. that Looks like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Um, hmm. It's during the little montage, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the like weird Sarah McLaughlin almost like montage of like yeah. except for dogs, it's people. Oh my god! What's funny though is that you know that they probably just went to their B-roll library at Fox and just pulled a bunch of LA stuff, and they really liked that shot both times and didn't realize in the way that yeah. <laughs> ma- most episodes of Charmed use the same like panning over the city shot. And after watching it with my husband, we came to the conclusion that it was just the best shot. <laughs> and every week they were like, well, we really like that hero shot. So it's always going over the same bi- building. And I kind of think it's maybe like that, but I don't think it actually works to establish it as LA. Like I had no idea that this was LA except for Googling it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so wait on that, Nick, you might've, did anyone here watch Ash versus the evil dead? I watched the first season. Okay, yeah, it's fine. Um, is the first? It's the second season, isn't it? When, or is Samara weaving in the first season? Did you Love see her. her in it? No. I I think she's she might be because I didn't really like know who she was until right. ready or not, so I don't really remember her from Ash versus Evil Dead. But I think it's this either the end of the first season or beginning of the second. It's the end of one of the seasons, but she plays like random, like they encounter these like college kids that are in the woods. She survives the longest, but they all die. But because they, you know, and this was before she was big, but we all know that Samara Weaving can scream. They have her scream like the yodel. Yeah. She screams like four times an episode. And then that is the exact scream they use every time someone screams on that show. (laughs) And I'm sure it's because no one screams as good as Samara Weaving, but it's so (laughs) recognizable that like, if you hear a monster and there's like a crowd screaming, it's Samara Weaving screaming. They reuse that scream every time. I hope she gets a check every right? time. I re- I truly do. She should. She should. New Speaking Wilhelm of, scream. by the way, we'll get to it, but what an apropos episode for having just ended the WGA strike and getting a deal. What a great episode to land on for that. And we wish the actors luck. It really is a perfect episode for that. Yeah. Um, so yes, we God, we're 20 minutes in and we're not even post-credits yet. I love oh, this. It's all no way. Way. <laughs> so then post-credits, we see Buffy's working at this diner. And are any of you Twin Peaks gals? I can't remember. Mm-mm. Oh, I am. Doesn't this feel very like on purposey Twin Peaks? <gasps> yeah, but I didn't put that together. But it does. <laughs> right. And it has kind of the same eerie quietness. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I, I like was looking to see if there was anything like, oh yeah, like you know, Joss said Twin Peaks or whatever, but there I couldn't find anything. But it feels like that could be on purpose, or it could just be like they're trying to find like 
depressed diner and give her that like outfit that they wore. I don't know. Um, yeah, but that's what I kept it was also on. it was also something that I think at this point has just so saturated the culture that people don't know that it's a reference to that. Right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like a lot of Simpsons stuff. People are like, like, oh, you know, that old, you know, story that everyone does. And it's like, yeah. well, it, it aired in 1998. I can tell you the episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it does a really great job. And I think it does a good job of showing us it, the, the exact environment Buffy would hate working in. Yes. Like, I can't imagine a, a less Buffy job than this yeah. specific diner. Like, Double Meat Palace is probably better than this job. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Double Meat Palace creeps me the hell out. <laughs> that, to me, feels more like Twin Peaksy because I just feel uncomfortable and gross the whole time I'm watching it. Ugh. But I, but I like heard the more... burgers were good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I would totally eat one of those burgers. <laughs> Even, well, maybe not if it was made of cat, you know. <laughs> mm, probably not. Unless well, I didn't know. Probably not. <laughs> So we we see the like grimy trucker dude slap her on the ass, which like is an indignity that I always get upset. And I'm like, oh no, Buffy, just like wait till he leaves, then kick his fucking ass. I know you I... want to be low key about it. <laughs> Every time I watch this episode, if you guys have, uh, are fans of uh, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, oh, who isn't? Dr- who alive <laughs> isn't? <laughs> Thank you. When, this is the when target audience. <laughs> Drew Barrymore gets smacked on the ass. And then she oh, doesn't yeah. hit the guy at first, but then when she gets her like little confidence boost back at the end, and then she throws him into the jukebox. Every time I'm watching this, I'm like, please, for the love of God, <laughs> just add an additional scene that I never saw in where she beats the shit out of this guy. I need it. Right. Uh, that's what that's what we need AI for. This is what we need <laughs> AI for to make that for me. It's like it's like when I was watching Scream 2 for the first time in theaters, and I'm like, why is she not beating the shit out of him? This is yes. Bobby. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I was, I say this all the time on My Bloody Judy. I was tricked both Scream 2 and Now You Did Last Summer. I remember I wasn't even that into Buffy yet. And I was like, well, she can't die. She's Buffy. Well. Mm, it's a feeling that <laughs> will stay with me through all, like when I watched The Grudge, yes. I'm like, you need to get the books out, bitch. We need to yeah. research. Mama, let's research. <laughs> Giles, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Which is funny. Also, uh, I've been re, I've been like setting up my, my father gifted me the spare bedroom as like my recording studio slash office. My best friend Kevin has been here. We've been setting it up. We took a break to eat pizza and watch Scream 2. And my dad came in the room and was like, oh, you guys watching Buffy? And I was like, close. <laughs> Scream 2. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> You've got uh, the general idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're close. Um, Wait, before we leave Hell's Kitchen or Hell and... <laughs> Wait, before we leave Helen's kitchen. kitchen, I would like to point out that is it Hell Ann's Kitchen? Is that the joke I'm supposed to be taking away? Or is it just a play on Hell's Kitchen, the name of the place? It had to be selected for a reason. Like, they had the prop department make a sign. Huh. I don't know. I don't even think I've ever noticed the sign. Hmm. Yeah. They they lingered on it. <laughs> it I well, do remember there being an outside shot, but I also, to be fair, was eating while I was watching this, so... Wow. Um, well, apparently not. And Ryan's so we leave the, the diner <laughs> and I take a breath mint. <laughs> um, she meets, she meets Lily and Ricky, which at first I was like, wait, does she? Re-? And then I was like, oh, she does recognize her. That's why she leaves. Um, which they were in. It's a season two episode that I just never rewatched. <laughs> yeah. Which one was it? It it's, was she's she's in lie to me. me. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. Um, I like her, and I do like her in that episode. Um, yes. But it is a weird person to bring back. It works amazingly. Like you know, fuck me for not having thought of it. But yes. it's it, it, it's interesting. I guess they just must have really liked this actress, as do I. 
Yeah, I I did interview her once at um, WeedonCon, now HellmouthCon. She's very nice, very chill. She was so soft-spoken that I had trouble putting up the volume. She's just like this very chill, like blonde lady in LA, just like very like, oh yeah, I liked it. And she, if I recall, and someone can probably listen and misquote me, I know she auditioned for the show for something else. And she got called to ask to come in and audition for Lie to Me, got the part, and then they called her back for this like yeah. she, there I mean, wasn't she like, is like a she's a good character i mean she's kind of i can't like they would have probably created a character just like her for yeah. this episode because mm-hmm. yeah. that arc makes total sense of like yeah this is the kind of person that would definitely just be in like this part of la like yeah you know it is kind of like i mean it's kind of like you know angel moving to la and like all of a sudden cordelia's his best friend <laughs> right <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> hey sometimes you move places and you're different you know yeah you know just think strange <laughs> they had but they, you know, now her and ricky have um the ugliest tattoos oh, oh my god oh my god my <sighs> first thought was like you're like 10 years away from a laser being able to take that off <laughs> <laughs> i i thought i was like do we see, we don't see that on her and angel so i wonder Oof. she must she have, got it have gotten clipped it off. <laughs> enchantment god. there's probably like a demon that you know <laughs> removes tattoos <gasps> with magic if they reboot Buffy and I don't get to play some kind of demonic like esthetician, I'm going to lose my mind. I want to be a witch that does facials. Ah! Yes. <laughs> demonic She's, esthetician. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, I just love you. Um, but so, <laughs> those, they have the same tattoos that Nick and I have on our arms with each other's names. That's right. <laughs> um, and yeah, and she recognizes, she kind of recognizes Buffy, but she's like, do I know you? She's not sure. Then we cut to Sunnydale High, which is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. I always I always like to point this out because I feel like they they only it's like a rarity when they use it. But like we get another example of her prophetic dreams because the quote that Angel says to her about it being forever. Lily says it to her. Right. I always feel like that. I'm like, that's the powers that be. (laughs) (laughs) Sending her a vision. Yeah, no, and it makes me wonder how, like, we don't see these premonitions past, like, this season, yeah. or not much, and it makes me wonder how many weird dreams Buffy has that she's like, oh, what if an army of Hamburglers is rising or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly. What if I'm upside down underwater this week? <laughs> what, if, what if I do go to school naked? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I say do it. What a slay. Cordelia will never top that. <laughs> so, speaking of Cordelia, we see, which I do think is very cute, that she like I'm very charmed by I don't love them together it's like fine they're just like teenagers but I'm very charmed by this aspect of Cordelia being nervous for like fucking Xander um to show like to to reference one of my favorite essays about like having a crush by Sloane Crosley I can't remember the name of it but she wrote a piece that was all about how humiliating it is to have a crush because like you feel stupid you sometimes you say stupid shit and I just it's <laughs> it's called love is embarrassing by Olivia <laughs> Rodrigo. <laughs> but like it's it's humanizing to see like our queen Cordy be like nervous about the guy that she's seeing, right? Well, even to the point where she's annoying Willow. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like a total reversal of softer side of Sears. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. You're right. I didn't even and think about that. And it's funny because Willow was so like love struck by and by Xander and is now it, she's met Oz and she's like, oh, I've graduated to another yeah. level. Meanwhile, yeah, Cordelia's yeah. like, Xander, Xander, Xander. She's like, both of them, you can feel the energy coming off of them for each other. And it is a really good way to remind me that I do like them as a couple. Yeah. 
yeah, like I I wish I I mean I know that this show just loves to do that, but I almost wish they were able to have like an amicable breakup, not like her her and Oz walking in on them kissing, you know, yeah. like more than her impaling herself. Yeah, I mean, it's Jesus just not Christ. a nice breakup, you know. Not how you want to leave funeral. town. <laughs> a funeral cut is so mean. Oh, <laughs> I love is so good. I love that cut so, so much. Uh, when, uh, uh, Ian, as you know, like I'm, I'm having David watch the show for the first yeah. time, <laughs> and Cordelia is quite possibly her and Spike are his favorite characters. And when we were going through season three, we're sitting on the couch. He's watching that episode. Um, lovers walk or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just waiting. I was like, you know, you know, there's going to be a death this season, just fucking with him. And then I'm just looking at him as he's looking at the screen. And as soon as, as it cuts to the funeral, you could practically see the tears welling up in his eyes. <laughs> oh my God. I was so like emotionally hard in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. <laughs> um, yes, I Nick and I were texting about this how we both love watching someone else watch Buffy for the first time. Oh yeah. yeah. Right? Is I feel oh, like Oh yeah, especially the the the, the darker moments. Uh, like I'll just go back and I'm like, well, Let's just uh, look at a reaction of somebody as the the bullet goes through the terrace. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love watching people watch Hush because you can tell that they're like, oh, we're having fun at the TV show. Boop boop boop. boop. I'm a little <laughs> creeped out. <laughs> um, that's what i liked about like watching the opening i love the buffy opening credits are the yes. best um and like they do such a good job maybe it's like all the edits and additions for season three of just being like fuck they've done so much stuff already like yeah, I know. like and, and it's like wild to think again this fucking arrowverse shows <laughs> I know. But it's just like Buffy did. Buffy did had so many huge, big moments in just the first two seasons, which is really one and a half seasons. Like that's just nuts. Okay, I, I mean, mean, as Kim Petras once said, "Everything I drop is a banger." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she they have twenty two episodes a season, and you really people joke about the one or two that they don't like, or that like collectively people don't right. like because they stick out so much. How that how that is so but hard. <laughs> you go back and watch them, and you're gonna laugh at something, yes. and there's yeah. gonna yeah. be at least one cool fight move or something. Yes. Yeah, so. we famously disagree about beer bad, and I still will totally watch that episode right now. It's yeah. it's great. <laughs> I love yeah. beer bad. It's it's amazing to me that and um what is it where not is it where the wild things are yes. where, yeah. where, where they're. I love that episode too. I referenced this 85 times in the last like three months, I feel like, but someone unfollowed me on social media because that was the episode I asked them to be on. For. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So they're iconic. I need that at. <laughs> so the, and the only reason I know that is because then someone joked on Twitter. It was like, do you wish that like people could tell you why they unfollowed like you? And I expanded it. And that person said, I unfollowed someone because they asked me on for the worst. They asked me on their podcast for the worst episode of Buffy in season four, where the wild things Nessie. are. And Nessie, if that was true, you, baby, you you go up and you take your swings when you get them. You go up there and you make that the funniest, <laughs> meanest episode of this podcast right. ever. Don't tell on yourself that you can't make lemonade. Do not tell on yourself. <laughs> God. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> I'm mad now. <laughs> and I just, but I agree that like even an episode that like is lesser, it still has parts to like. Like Killed by Death is, I think, my least favorite episode of the show. 
but it has my favorite Cordelia line where she's like, Tex is just saying, not, is not saying true things. I'll pass. Like, who could say like, oh, the episode I hate the most has one of my favorite lines. Like not many shows have that, but I feel like maybe, yeah, no. And it, all of these episodes, even if you don't like it, there's something to like. Um, Brett, when you just went, yeah, I was total side note, because I'm at my new desk area, I put in one of my frames, the picture, which Nick, I wish you had been a co-host at this for my birthday of all me and the Slayer Fest co-hosts. Mm. Um, and I looked at you when you made that noise, Brett. So <laughs> you, I'm looking at you and Ryan right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, where the fuck are we? <laughs> well, we're, so like that Sunnydale scene has such a great one tracking shot and it keeps like weaving in and out of like all the, like it's very much like first day of school. Here's all the supporting cast. And it's the Willow and Oz like conversation about him repeating a grade is like, Oh my God, I'm going back to like UCB. And it's like, it's like a Herald and that is one beat. You see three beats of it, but in between you get like Larry <laughs> oh my talking God. about like, we're going to be so great if we don't have as many unexpected deaths. <laughs> so there aren't good. so many mysterious deaths this year. We're done with the Nationals. <laughs> yes, good. Oh, you gay piece of crap. <laughs> uh, and so then we see that then Xander sees her and is like talking about how he's nervous. And I, like y'all mentioned, I like that Willow's annoyed. Like she's like, yeah, your hair's fine. Like go yeah, away. <laughs> then we cut back to Buffy. She sees a woman on the street yelling, I'm no one, which I was like, oh, this reminds me of like, they definitely reuse. I say this a lot. This show does this and I'm the best way. This is my favorite show. I don't care that they do this. I'm not saying it's a negative, but sometimes it feels like they were like, oh, I like that little thing we did. Let's do that again, but bigger. And then they went with that to season five of like the people Glory had brain sucked. Yeah, this show really likes to use houseless people for a creep factor that mm -hmm. I am uncomfortable with in 2023, but do understand why it was done. And it does make sense specifically for a communism episode. But I do, I don't know, I do wonder about like, if you were Buffy and someone was just like crazy and, and seemingly houseless. I don't know. I feel like I'd be like, are you okay? <laughs> like, what are they going to do to you? What's going to happen? Just go up and ask. Like, right. You get hit I don't, by a car I don't know. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> she, did, she does help that guy. So, yeah. But, you true. know, she always takes the moment of glory when it's going to get everyone's attention. <laughs> Another reason she's a gay icon. Um. <laughs> one of um, one of the parts of the scene that I really, really like, uh, which kind of echoes the opening where it cuts to her when she wakes up from the dream, is I like that there are several moments in this episode episode that when it cuts to Buffy it completely goes silent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes and then oh I, I like I don't even know how to put it in words it's it, like it you feel exactly what she is feeling yeah just alone that's oh I love it so much yeah. she's such the, a the sound design is amazing character she, yeah like so seeing Buffy be this quiet and like mumbly and just kind of like out of it is like I girl same it's exactly because they really <laughs> they they cover. I think one of the reasons that I like connect with this episode is it's they don't portray the loss of a loved one as just you sitting there crying. Yeah, like we had her crying a bunch in season two, whereas this this is just dealing with the emptiness that comes afterwards. Mm -hmm. She yeah. is so bad at grieving, I have to say, and it's not <laughs> something you should get good at. I don't recommend it, but she is just she like has frozen herself in the worst part of grief for yeah. as long as possible as self-punishment or something. 
but I do like that she's so soft-spoken and subdued and kind of anxious in every scene because mm-hmm. we did get this call out that like buff nobody can quip quite like the buffster. And <laughs> then when we see her, she has no quips. There are no quips to be found. Yeah. She's quipless. And yeah. then it takes you know, the course of the episode for us to get a really powerful quip and then we're back in business. But yeah, baby, you know, I, I think that these scenes also work because um, the actress who plays Lily is so warm and you just want to protect her like a baby deer. And so Buffy's <laughs> complete coldness plays. Really and all well. she wants Although, to do is go to that rave. She just wants Buffy <laughs> to go party with her. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's us running into Buffy on the street. And, and I, Buffy offering her money, offering her mutual aid support. I caught that. <laughs> I caught that, left wingers. And like, she, I I like this whole interaction because I do like that Buffy is unbuffy like but it's still, Sam Shagel is so good at selling it that it's like, yeah, this is Buffy depressed, right? Like, this is how she, when she's like, no, 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 I don't really, no, I, I can give you money though. Like, I just don't want to be in a crowd. And she isn't, like Lily slash Anne takes it as like a little bit like she's being shitty, but she's not. She just genuinely doesn't want to be around people, right? Like, yeah, she's just yeah. like. I mean, to be fair, the way that Lily asks her for the money does come across like she's, hey, can you pay my way? <laughs> it, it does. It does. Um, so then, but I do like that. Also, we see that Lily is also being kind to her when she's like, "Oh, I'm not going to tell anyone. I understand." Like, you know, I've jumped from place to place. I know what that's like. So you're cool. Like we're, we're good. I'm not throwing you under the bus here. Um, and then that the, the man walks through them, gets almost gets hit by a car. Buffy fully gets hit by a car. Um, and runs away and runs into Ken, who was the pool boy on Seinfeld and the new husband on, in the angel episode bachelor party. Yeah. I knew he came back and I couldn't remember when. Tom Lank has told me that the rule was you were allowed to come back if it was different prosthetics that covered your face. Mm, yeah, that makes mm. sense. But it feels like, but also then it's like, but it's still his face, right? Like, yeah, I, I think the woman. Well, yeah, because get... he switches into him. Yeah. Like the, the human form. So yeah. it's the same guy. The woman who plays the woman at the blood bank also, I believe, has had a few roles on the show. Oh, okay. Um, that makes sense. Um, she did look a little familiar. So then we get the the weird montage of sadness that is not Sarah McLaughlin, but sounds like it could be Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, but, but then it goes to the bronze and it's just like depressing music night yes. at the bronze. <laughs> uh, Which I'm glad they pointed that out because I was like, God, this is a horrible night to go to the bronze. <laughs> yes. It also cuts to like during the montage, there's a bald guy. And you, if this would have come out this year, you could not convince me otherwise that that is not Trixie with, out, of, out of drag. <laughs> yeah, especially now, like getting all like a uh, fit, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. in the way. Uh, but so I want to talk about the next scene at uh, the Summer's house. Giles goes to visit Joyce because he had, you know, his ninth lead or his tenth lead or whatever that led to nothing. Oakland I... vampire. It's just uh, teens in mascara listening to awful music or something. <laughs> he went to the first hot topic opening and he was like, no, this wasn't. Oh, I said a hell mouth. <laughs> I need to. So I was reminded of my mother because my mom, when we did our like recordings together for like the Patreon that we did, she would be like, I do not like that mother. That mother did not support her daughter. And this made me, I forgot this scene. I fully forgot about until I watched it. And I was like, 
I, I put in my notes, oh, Joyce is upset. Good, because she should be. She fucking kicked her out. And then yeah. she blames Giles, and I'm like, hey, fuck you. The audacity. <sighs> right? <laughs> no, it, I mean, the audacity of her is saying that, but, I, 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 but for us, we have the context. I do understand... I feel it's a justified emotional response to have, but I think after his ninth flight to find your daughter, right. you have to have processed that. You have well, and to also like what it. three months have passed. Yes. Like, have yeah. you not gotten any more illumination on what well, that relationship was in the past three months? Like mother, like daughter, they've both frozen themselves emotionally in mm. the moment of leaving. That's, that's a good point. Um, because I know people feel strongly about Joyce. I don't, I don't hate her, but I know some people do. Some people think she's great. I kind of feel like it's Buffy's mother, which is how I feel about yeah. like, when people argue about boyfriends. I'm like, I love them when Buffy loves them, even if they're fucking annoying me because I love Buffy. Well, and it's also great that Buffy doesn't Buffy doesn't have a perfect mom. Like yeah. she has a real mom. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, she drinks schnapps. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it next episode. Um, Nick, I need to know what you think about this with Joyce blaming Giles. So I know that every, uh, to your point, like a lot of people complain about Joyce's behaviors up until probably season four. Mm. I, tr- when it comes to her, I try to put myself in her shoes. She literally just learned about this yeah. as a vampire jumped out in front of her and she watched it get staked by Buffy. Like, and then Buffy, she gets into an argument with her and then Buffy takes off and then she is gone for three months. And I like, I tried to think about, think about what it was like from Joyce's perspective up until this point with Buffy getting into fights. I mean, Buffy points it out to her. Like how many times did you wash blood out of my clothes? So I could imagine that going through a divorce, moving to a new town and having to support this big ass house and having to support your daughter and all of this stuff. Finding out that hot piece of ass John Ritter is a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I get it. I get where she's coming from. And I think it would be one thing if she had gotten into the argument with Buffy Buffy left the house, fought Angel, whatever. And then there was more drama that happened before Buffy left. But it's like all of this was dropped into Joyce's lap immediately. And then her daughter is just gone for three months. So I I feel like while I understand what you guys are saying in regards to like how many times Giles has has gotten on a flight trying to find her. Like I get it, but I I also understand Joyce's point of view of having that resentment for being who is supposed to be the most important person in Buffy's life. And she was the one person that was kept in the dark about everything. Yeah. I wonder, like, I don't think any of the Scoobies are coming over there and being like, okay, so where were we last time? We were talking about vampires and werewolves. Okay. So werewolves come like, no one is anyone filling her in. That's the true. internet is not like <laughs> true, really around and reliable. Like is, did Joyce just find out vampires are real and they just have to sit on that alone for three months. I mean, the thing that really gets me is that Joyce isn't always wrong. Like she was like, I don't like angel. I think that's going to end poorly. <laughs> and, it did. and everyone was like, and then she was like, you know, I mean, she she makes these calls, and I think it's similar to Dawn too, where it's a thankless role to be like in the home with the yeah. Slayer that's getting burned down half the time. <laughs> like, it is a you know, I like Joyce a lot, but it, it it's tough, and but it also helps to set us up for later. And so, you know, we we move we move what we have to move to get things in place. <laughs> Fair, yes. Um, then we cut back to <clears throat> Buffy. And Lily is there being like, she can't find Ricky. He's missing. She knows. And I I like this scene because I like that 
Lily is kind of just like, but I know you know how to do this. And Buffy's like, uh, all right, fine. Like she like resists a little bit, but then, then they're at the blood bank talking to the, the doctor. <laughs> right in front of the giant AIDS poster. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Whoever wrote this episode and like was like adding in these details, I have to say, what an icon. Like gay people <laughs> on the left, keep going. We're almost there, guys. <laughs> so good. Set decorator is like, I've had this AIDS poster for two seasons. <laughs> I've been I'm ready to fine. raise awareness at a moment's notice. <laughs> I'm wearing my Sunnydale Blood Drive t-shirt right now, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> Coincidentally. Um, so, yeah, they, they talk to the one doctor who, you know, very calmly tells them Ricky's not there and then looks worried after they leave. They split up. Buffy finds. I also didn't remember the detail of when she found Ricky in my head. He, like, died of old age. Like, he was, like, an elder skeleton. But he did not. He drank bleach, right? That's, like, <laughs> like yeah. Jesus Which, Christ. I mean... Yeah, after what he went through. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That shit. Um, Plus, that's how you get rid of the worms from COVID. That's what Facebook told me. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Also, did, the tattoo was still fresh, though, right? Like, I mean, wasn't yeah. it still pretty bright? I mean, I guess they're painting that on their arms. That's not, they're not able to, like, age it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That is true, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Buffy finds Lily, and I like this scene. I, I, I mean, Lily's you know, Lily's grieving, right? So her, she lashes out and Buffy lashes out right back and is like, I didn't ask this. You like came to me. What are you talking about? Yeah, because she says to her like, why is this happening? And then, you know, the last time she saw something weird like this, but it's like, uh, Buffy didn't put you in a vampire cult either. She came to save you and then you came to ask her to do the same thing. You can't turn around and then be like, you're always here when bad things happen. Yeah, yeah, bitch. Yeah, by your (laughs) command. What are you talking about? Um, But I get it a little bit. And I also think, I don't know if they're playing her as like, abuse abused or maybe Mm. neurodivergent or something but she clearly doesn't have coping skills yeah and i think buffy is frustrated with that because buffy's made of coping skills um and it takes buffy a second to be like oh you literally can't do any like you don't need it's like riding a bike it seems pretty easy when you know how to do it but like i think and and i think it's a similar dynamic with willow and it is a repeating thing with buffy where she's ready to take in strays you know, Ryan, I almost cried because that's so true. Like Buffy's made of coping. Like that's, she has to right? like, yeah, every other day she's like killing something or something Same. trying to kill her. A hundred percent. We're out here. Uh, so wait, I gotta, this reminds me earlier when you all were like, oh, they've been through so much because now I'm like, oh my girl, she's been through so much. There is a, I gotta give a shout out to um, Clara, Clara on Instagram. It's, at Clara JBSC did the coolest fucking video where it's one second from every single episode of Buffy yeah. while uh, uh, Bob O'Reilly plays uh, in the background. Yeah. And it makes Yeah, it's so good. And it's it's the way the way it's edited is impressive. And I literally had a moment watching it, and it's just one second from every episode. Like when they, I mean, there's a lot of sad things, but like the moment when it's like the music's playing and the, the clip from Hell's Bells is Anya walking down the aisle crying by herself. And I really was just like, my babies have been through so much fun. <laughs> and they're all only 22. Right? Like, Jesus. <laughs> I have to stop I, and remind myself that sometimes about the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they all age up like 10 years, oh, like yeah. spiritually between four and five. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, 
one of the one of my uh, favorite scenes is when Buffy is uh, Columboing about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in, yes, in the yes. blood drive when it's like at, the mm-hmm. way that she just no like no bullshit Buffy. I'm just she didn't even turn around. She's like, what is uh, God, what is it? What is what is the word candidate confirmed? for what? Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What does candidate mean? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What does candidate mean? <laughs> I just <laughs> love that. I love how she just like it's just so direct. And she's just like, oh, God, I don't want to deal with this. I love I, that. I, I love it. Over at Buffy is one of my favorite Buffy's because like I don't like this episode. This episode does something. And I do love season six, but it does something that season six never quite got to. Where it's like, yeah, I'm depressed, but fuck you. Like, yeah. you're annoying. I'm I'm dealing with my depression, but you aren't bothering me. Right? Impatience <sighs> makes a lot of sense for her character, which is interesting. Because if you were to stereotype them, I would say Faith would constantly be impatient with people. And Buffy would have infinite patience because she's the good person or whatever. Yeah. But in actuality, <laughs> being a good person, and I, I'm trying my best over here, leads to incredible amounts of impatience. Because it's like... <laughs> It's like I get it. You're evil. Like, come on. Like, just get. You know yeah. what I mean? And and I, I think it has, already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has something to do with the mundane. The the what is it? The mundane. Mundanity. Mundane. The mundaneness of evil. <laughs> and Faith is never impatient because she is the evil. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, she's in prison, like biding her time very patiently. <laughs> and Buffy can't get through a blood drive. I think I I think it it works really well, and it also starts to show us the shift in her character where she's like, I have to do what I have to do, which yeah. is a very defining Buffy. Like it's a tent pole of her being risen back up within yes. her. You know. Yes. Yeah. And that's like what this episode does so perfectly, and like a short amount of time that like when I think about the episode and I don't mean this in a negative way, I think of it as longer because I think like, Oh, Buffy's depressed for longer. Oh, Buffy's stuck in that hell dimension for longer, but she's not, she's getting shit done. Um, and you know, to your point, Brett, not only is the like, what are you doing? Breaking into your office, going through your private files. So fucking good. But then the, I'm calling oh. the police and her just ripping the phone off the, the phone wall. without <laughs> even looking. She's like, oh, <laughs> well, it's also so like, you know, uh, X Factor 87, the therapy issue where Peter David establishes that Quicksilver is an asshole because he's a super, he's a super speedster. Yes. And literally he's like, imagine if your entire life is waiting behind someone at the bank who just brought in a bunch of pennies. That is why I am angry all the time. And you can kind of see like Buffy doesn't, you, you are nothing. I'm yeah. ripping this phone off the wall. We're <laughs> going to skip this entire debate. Just tell me what I need. Like, I'd love that. <laughs> Brett, wait, that's so funny. Have I ever referenced the, so the Quicksilver miniseries from like the mid nineties when he had the gray and white outfit, they have yeah. a specific like issue about that. And I reference that all the time because I say, that's how I feel with my ADD where it's like, they're all, he's like married. It's when he's married to crystal and they have their child Luna and they're at dinner with the inhumans and he finishes and he like runs around the world, does some errands, comes back and they're still like, yeah. still just starting their food. And yeah, I, I reference that a lot. Oh, <laughs> well, and it's like, you know, that that is kind of like Buffy's like central, uh, I don't know, not character flaw, but just the fact that she is the chosen one. Yeah. And no matter how much, no matter how much, how big a badasses Willow and everyone else becomes, no one else is the chosen one. And that is great, but that also fucking sucks. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and mm. uh, then she gives her tea cozy when she's like, I don't even know oh, what tea cozy tea is, co- but I want one. <laughs> 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 I love. And like, she really is 
this almost is like, I mean, to bring back season five when how this is how Glory feels about Buffy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, just give oh, me the fucking key. Superpowers, cool. Who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> give me my key. God. Oh, the books are cute. I'm throwing you across the room now. <laughs> if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead by now. We're here to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see, we go back to Sunnydale. We see the Scoobies are on patrol. I really liked the shot of Willow's like Ugh, face while Cordy and Xander argue. Yeah. <laughs> like her being like, um, and I know we cut, but I'll just wrap up that. So I do like that Cordy and, Z- or Cordy and Xander accidentally killed a vampire. I did like, they make a little vampire sandwich. And then yeah. when he dusts, she falls onto him and they start making out and the music swells. So really, it's really, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I would love to know how she also did not get impaled on a stake. <laughs> it's not that big. It's like a little thing. It's like a pain. Oh, you mean her torso is a magnet for him being impaled. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> how she how her it? body strength, Ty bow. This was the era. <laughs> well, she's yeah. a cheerleader. Like yeah. she's strong. Yeah, she's got she's got. Was those she a ends. flyer? Like, what was her uh, role in cheerleading? A uh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> whatever the whatever the role is that that leaves you with knee marks all over your back. <laughs> oh, right, she does oh, I know that. some of those roles. Ryan <laughs> yeah. right, and I also have those roles, but we're not cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to Buffy going under. I I don't even remember. Like I was like, wait, where did she go? Because she's like, oh, I suck it undercover, and then she's just like. Then she oh then oh, because uh because Moleface guy gave her the flyer earlier basically just like right. come find Jesus or whatever it was very... Moleface <laughs> <laughs> that's his that's his his beauty mark sorry you know what I did think about him though hmm. the mole is difficult that's fair but it's because they really highlight it because they try to make him creepy because I do think this actor if you gave him a different haircut and you framed it a little differently could star as like the antihero in like a TNT two season yeah. drama yeah. about a detective who can smell really well or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was smell like, he could really be hot. Well. They're just contextualizing him as a total creep and not letting him blink. It's like giving <laughs> youth pastor like uncanny valley person. <laughs> Which that is, yeah, that is the vibe. He's going around to all these uh, uh, unhoused people and being like, you know, come. Yeah. It's just, it's so, but I'm a cheerleader. Like, it's just, it's like <laughs> soulless. I don't know. But he's he's great. He's really effective. I think he's another example of the casting department just like nailing it. Yeah. So great job, yeah. guys wherever you are <laughs> um so then you know she gets the ken as lily is sucked into the hell dimension portal the black thing. goo from x files yeah yeah also she's an ex cult member who is like okay so it's just a quick baptism and i have to change my clothes and get into this room <laughs> to talk to my boyfriend again all right <laughs> wearing this sack she's wearing that burlap sack yeah yeah (laughs) what's tough is that as someone who hosts a podcast about cults and scams and mlms and gurus that's true (laughs) people do do that they condition you to be like all right fine yeah okay and you'll see in some of these documentaries these people have been through scientology and then nexium and that and you kind of cycle through it and no well i mean that's a whole episode in and of itself (laughs) tune into my podcast too good to be true season three of the financial diet um but i will say they that this this character, her journey in th- three, maybe four episodes that she appears in this show. My God, they nailed it. I know this woman and her yeah. name oh, is yeah. Anne. 
Oh, but we'll get there. Sorry. <laughs> um, so they fall into this hell dimension. You know, Ken even says it is hell. Hey, you mentioned earlier, like, I also thought, okay, so now then she gets put to work and yeah. we're going to see, like, and I was like, no, 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 no. Like, they immediately, like, line her up with the other new recruits. Well, recruits. <laughs> right. And then it, shit, shit's on. Yeah. So, I always thought we spent more time in this factory, but yes. of course they can't justify that because why would Buffy go along with some right. factory cattle prod stuff? No matter how um, depressed she is. Yeah, I feel like we got more of it, but I get, but then, you know, well, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but when we get to the fight scene stuff, you do get to see a lot of world building within this space, yes. which is yeah. so wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. And the weird thing is that the, and I mean, Nick, you know more angel trivia than I do, so I'm sure you know, do you know what I'm going to say, Nick? The time? No, no, no. The demons. Oh, they're um, um, like the scourge. Yeah, they like reuse like right, Nick. It's like completely the outfit same. Yeah, I, hmm. I, I feel like I read something at one point that was supposed to, that it is supposed to be the same. Oh, good. Yeah, because these are great character designs. Yes. Like just the one guy that is like, "What's your name?" Or yeah. like, he, that's a great character design. As soon as he shows up, it's like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, because Moleface Guy's face has also fallen off at this right. point. Right, I forgot to mention <laughs> that. And I do like when he's like, you know how long it took me to get this on? Girl, uh, eyelashes are a nightmare. So I can't imagine what a face oh, is. What a great meme for drag. God damn it, you've beat me to another genius scheme, Brad. <laughs> and he chills the face with the mole of all faces to choose. Oh, yeah. Well, well, well yeah, yeah, you I mean, want that little imperfection, so yes. it's more believable. So it sells it. That's what, li- listen, when you want to cover up a zit, you you turn it into a beauty mark, baby. You turn that into <laughs> an go. acceptable flaw. That's a good idea, Ryan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I went through high school, too. Um, and so then we get, yeah, it's, we, we see that the people that have been mumbling, I am no one on the street actually were victims of this. I don't even know what we would call it, right? Demon hell dimension cult thingy. Yeah, they're making double meat patties. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good scheme. Listen, I, 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 nobody, no, I'm not here to tell you capitalism wasn't clever. <laughs> I'm here to tell you it's wrong. Um, we get in there. I'm not going to do the whole thing now, but we get in there and it is very clearly like, oh, young people don't know what to do with their lives because everything's hopeless and there's nowhere to turn. I guess you could toil away in a factory for the rest of your life and it's (laughs) something. And they really sell that really fast and well. Uh, And I think the scheme works well to be like, that's how they're sucking the life out of them. Literally, painfully, like, Every moment of their lives is being sucked out in an alternate time. Spit them out as 70 year olds who just want to drink bleach and die. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) is Jeff Bezos in the room with us right now? (laughs) It also is so, it's such an efficient, it's so efficiently done because it's just like the scariest demon we've seen. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just horrifying looking. He's got like the, he's missing skin, but then he's also wearing skin. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's a skin head. They're they're (laughs) very clearly fascist. Oh my, uh, yes. uh, yeah, allegories uh, and you know, yeah. fascism and capitalism not the same thing, but good friends. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, What's your name? And then the guy says his name, but he gets like just smited yeah. immediately. And then it's like, What's your name? No one. And then it's immediately to Buffy. Like they they are not like really dilly-dallying around. It's a real like economy of time. And yes. the Buffy moment is Who are you? I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer, and you are, which is just like I just <sighs> 
It's my favorite trope. It is my favorite <laughs> trope in this genre of I love any story where it is they don't fucking know what they just bit off. Yes. Like it's you guys. Mm. I mean, it's it's Captain America going up against Thanos. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. like I uh, this is uh, the Avengers Infinity War when it is just fucking Captain America, Falcon <laughs> and Black Widow versus goddamn Corvus Glaive and uh, and uh, Proxima Midnight. And it's like these are fucking like eight foot tall alien like muscle bound monsters. And they're being beat up by Captain America and just like kiss human pals. Yeah. I fucking love that shit. And the fact that like it's just like you guys don't know who the fucking slayer is oh you're about to find out motherfuckers yes. <laughs> it's yeah. every squirrel girl turnaround it's like yeah bitch. <laughs> she's I, unbeatable it's in the name <laughs> yeah and like and then she immediately is like anyone who's not having fun here follow me and like oh, yeah so good. i started a union before too and uh, it's a yes. phenomenal feeling <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it again. Hint, 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 bitch. So oh, my please. notes, I just want to read what my notes say. I already told everyone, but it, I say, then Buffy kicks every fucking inch of these dickheads ass. And I love it. And this is where I let Ryan speak. <laughs> so we launch into a factory where people are being exploited and having their lives stolen from them. And Buffy realizes that she is an individual, but that everyone there is an individual and that together they are more powerful than their overlords. So she grabs a hammer and a sickle and she backflips <laughs> and destroys them. Absolutely <laughs> destroys them in a similar way to how the Soviet Union actually defeated the Nazis and not America. And if you go to any developed nation's historical sites and you look at how they analyze this outside of America, that's the story you'll be told because that is what happened. And to watch Buffy do it and to do it on network TV and to hold up those symbols when they were so demonized and there was so much like nasty misinformation out. And frankly, like, of course, the Soviet Union was deeply flawed. I'm not here to do apologia for like, you know, the CPT or the right or the CCP. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> for a moment, I was like, uh, um, I'm not here to do apologia for for the CCP, but I am here to tell you that uh, the instinct for you workers to band together and overthrow the people destroying their lives for profit is not the evil part of the Soviet <laughs> Union. And it is really great to see Buffy stand up for those values. And especially doing this episode right after the WGA strike, as someone that has been involved in multiple unions forming, it is one of the most important things you learn in adulthood. And uh, one of the most important things you learn when you get a real job. And this was Buffy really having a job for the first time and being on her own and having to eat SpaghettiOs in her shitty apartment. Right. And it's a good reminder that like, you know, we are not, none of us are living like this because uh, there's no other option there, you know, like it, it's not because we don't have more wealth than we ever did. And we don't have the ability to do all this stuff. And it's not that there isn't enough manpower. It's that it's being like exploited and used against all of us. So uh, I think it's a great message. And I do think that Buffy is a very strong leftist show until you get to some of the more bushy moments in season seven, which turns around, but still, uh, I think it's a very lefty show. And I think this is a great example of that. And I think the writers um, did a really good job of showing the bear the like most important parts of leftist ideology and of like Marxism um, and telling the story in a really concise way without overcomplicating it. And also without um, even trying to, they don't even try to sell us an alternative, right? Like there's no right. case to be made for the demons and what they're doing. Because <laughs> in reality, there is no case to be made for Amazon's exploitation. I don't right. care who you are. You can be a Republican listening to this. I doubt you <laughs> are. But if you are, 
You can't, you, nobody can justify what happens to the people that work in those factories. You should be allowed to go to the bathroom and, and that we are every day getting closer and closer to those demon like conditions. And frankly, some children in the Midwest have been working in meatpacking facilities legally in conditions just like that, just as dangerous. Um, an important moment for awareness and important that Buffy aligned herself with such a, herself with such a movement and also important that her friends aren't there with her yes. that she's entirely alone it's it's so, it's so epic it's my favorite moment on the show this is my favorite episode of the show um and i loved it before i understood like socialism and <laughs> when i did understand socialism i'm not joking i and i waited for the podcast to say this um it was the first the first my first reaction was Oh, like that Buffy episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, I love that. That's how I knew that happened. Um, Ryan, and that so, makes me so happy. <laughs> I, that's why I had to do this one, and I begged Ian if I could do this one, not just because I've devoted my entire life to unionizing efforts and drag, um, but because like I, this was a pivotal moment for me, and I think it was for probably a lot of people. So hats off to the whole team, and Sarah Michelle Geller is cool as hell. That's Ugh. it. That's my speech. Well, and what I what I really love is like Buffy takes out all of the grunts like spectacularly like Marvel movie level fight scenes that are done on the WB at seven o'clock central. I'm like, no other show did this. No other show has done that. But who takes down uh, Moleface McScab demon is uh, Lily, who he's like making his big speech. Is she just like (laughs) pushes him (laughs) over the edge? And that's all it takes. The emperor yeah. has no clothes. Like yeah. your boss is not more capable or smarter. I've been people's <laughs> boss. We're just as dumb as you. Like <laughs> it, it, it is. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's funny. Oh. Like, and this, like you said, Ryan, no, not, I'm sure not many conservatives, if any, listen to this show, but every once in a while, and not often. I think maybe I could count on one hand how many times it's happened. I will have someone be like, why do you make Buffy political? And it's like, are you fucking stupid? Like, <laughs> like have you ever for- watched the show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just like life? Yeah. Like, like yeah. Political? Na- name a thing that isn't political. I dare you. I'll right? wait. And, and I, a so- lot of it's political because conservatives make it political. A hundred percent. I just want to be a homosexual. <laughs> if yeah. the only way to get, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it again. If the only way to get food or water or medicine or a place to sleep is based on a fake political construction that you do not get the choice to opt out of at all. And yeah. you don't get to pick the one you're born into. <laughs> it's not my fault that there is just no going to buy milk at the corner because you don't know where that milk comes from. And it's my job to fucking tell you because it's not good for you or for the cows or for anybody. It's not good for the bosses, frankly. Right. I mean, they don't even get into that side of it in this episode, but like this arrangement probably doesn't work for most of those demons if they're not at the top either. That's like, true. It, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, I don't know. And, and, and the fact that the crew and the writer and all of the actors on that show understand unions because they live it day to day. And the yeah. fact that I know that Sarah Michelle Geller was blackballed in her industry for standing up for that crew mm-hmm. and having, you know, I'm not going to name names because they're unpleasant <laughs> names to name, but having people who espouse leftist social ideas push back on that, push back on the idea that the crew needs breaks, that a girl who's doing you know, 20 hour shoots through the night with fight choreography and musical numbers and lines to remember and outfit changes. And it has to be the sexiest woman on TV. Gorgeous hair. Like the hair care maintenance alone. Do you know how long it takes to keep (laughs) my short hair pink? (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. So the fact that this so much care was put into this episode is it probably was a labor of love. (laughs) I applaud. 
Good job. Good job. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, and it's funny because I do think of like a lot of the people that have been on the show and it probably was like, I mean, I'm sure it's because she's a great actor and good at her job, but like also like I'm doing these 20 hour shoots. Everyone, James Marsters, Claire Kramer, Sarah Michelle Geller never messed up a scene. Like she always had her lines. Hell and yeah. like both of them have said on this podcast that like Sarah Michelle Geller made you want to be a better actor because she knew all, she would learn her lines in like two seconds and not miss a beat. Like she would get because it right when the it's first work shot. you love, you will love to do it. But yeah. when you are forced yeah. to do some shit, it it turns sour. And bosses should understand that. God mm-hmm. damn. You know, and now I'm gonna give a little speech because I feel like I've worked with so many people that were like the cool punk person and then got promoted, and then suddenly they like fully turned into that like shitty corporate shill. Yeah. Um, dancing with the stars all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and frankly, uh, for someone who's, who's in, who has so much, for, who, for someone who has accrued so much power, you'd think you'd have to show off a little more talent in a meritocracy, but I'll shut up. <laughs> well, I'll shut up about the tango skills. I remember, <laughs> I remember at my, re- one of my retail jobs, someone who was, we both were promoted um, to like supervisor and you know I'm I'm a very lax professor I'm a very lax boss because I know that like this sucks right I know like you know I mean less so college but you know these kids are gonna be in debt forever um, so I try to go easy on as easy on people as you can and I remember this one boss who was like the cool tattooed like queer woman that we were friends was like you have to stop letting people take these longer breaks and you're encouraging them and I turned to her and went, you're not my boss, so I don't care. And I walked away. And we, like, never spoke again at work because she was so mad at how rude I was. But, Get over like, it. You, you know, like, fuck you. Like, what wh- What does it benefit you to monitor everyone like that? And mm-hmm. I feel like that is so common. That's, like, a weird aspect that I don't hear people. Like, I'll, I work, Ryan, this will make you want to, your blood boil. I worked with someone who, like, very much would say that she was a socialist and then, like, be like, mm, numbers are down. You guys aren't working. And it's like... What gets me is that, like, I think some people think work is supposed to be unpleasant or breakneck all the time. And I thought this for a really long time. I thought if I wasn't uncomfortable, I wasn't working hard enough and that I would be found out that, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's this paranoia that comes. Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't think that that produces good results. I think it makes people paranoid and anxious and skittish and exhausted and burned out. And I, 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 I think it's a really short-sighted way of functioning and ding, ding, ding. And, and I, and I, when you want to do real things like save the world, you don't get the luxury of being short-sighted ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway, getting back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. um, (laughs) Oh, Ken does have a good line that reminded me of Ghostface when he's like, you've got guts. I think I'd like to slice you open and play with you. So good. I want to clip that out and be like Taylor Swift to Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then I do like that Lily is the one to kill him. Like, I feel like that's also an important beat that like, Buffy absolutely could have taken him, right? Like, at that point, we know that, but she like, ultimately does. But right, right. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, Gandhi. So, yeah, I wanted to... <laughs> I don't know. There's not often many things that, like, gross me out on Buffy, but the cat... The, like, her lifting that sharp gate and then the gate points getting stuck in his calves. I don't know Ugh. what it is about that, but I'm like, bleh. 
right? Yeah, it is. Although I will say Buffy like slips through the bars while it's falling down. And it's like, well, could you have just done that without lifting it? (laughs) (laughs) She could have. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, But also I thought you were going to say what grossed you out was the mention of Gandhi, because this was back when we thought Gandhi was a cool guy. (laughs) (laughs) And that joke doesn't work as well now, but it's a very weird. I feel like the like line from this this joke only works because Sarah Michelle Gellar, it's like nonsense, right? Oh, God. You know what this I'm going to say, is pre- This is a precursor to what happens to yep. a toe when it's struck by lightning. Same thing as anything. Oh, my <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> that just hit That'll me. put some marzipan in your pie plate, Bingo. <laughs> this is yes. around the same time because he probably script? wrote that in 99. Yep. Oh, my God. Brett, I love that we have the same fucking nerd brain and you knew exactly where <laughs> I was going with that. It just hit me. <laughs> because I was thinking this sounds like a parody of a Joss Whedon like yes. line. Yeah, yes. it does. And like, again, if it wasn't Sam Shaw, I think it sounds like, like what an Arrowverse yes. uh, riff on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, somewhere in the world, Veronica Mars is cringing. <laughs> I will say, I do I like love that Legends it's... of Tomorrow. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Barack Obama fought a giant, like, yes. telepathic ape in that show. <laughs> And in real life, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they were only hearing about it now in those congressional <laughs> hearings about UFOs. Yeah. Um, I will say I, I also like, I like that the ending, we get so much ridiculous over the top, almost parody level Buffy quipping because she's really back girl. Yes. Like yes. She, mm-hmm. you bring it on big boy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was about to say that's, that's why for me, it does work a little bit, even though it's ridiculous is because it's like, Oh, she's fucking back. She's like, yeah. she's ready to be shitty while she's killing these demons. And she's maybe a little rusty. She's maybe yeah. a little rusty, but right. with an assist from Lily, she nails it. <laughs> Whomst among us has not been a little rusty at performing when you're back. Um, Nick, what do you think about all this ending? Um, well, there's a we get the iconic uh, shot that they use at the end of the opening credits for several True. seasons. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with that. And again, it's going the back last to- time that that shot is actually Buffy, which always freak me out oh my god that's right because it turns into the first it's the buffy bot oh uh, they use the yeah. buffy bot shot from the gift and then it goes into the shot from uh of the first oh that, wow <laughs> so that's really weird to me that always weird that to me is out. weird Huh. That is uh, weird. I never clocked that. Okay, well, now we have to do another episode. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? So Buffy gives Lily her apartment and her fake made up not made up name, it's her middle name, but it gives her that she takes on her her moniker, right? And yeah, she takes Anne. There's just, I don't know, it's just so nice. I really like that this character is in the Angel fucking series finale, and she's doing great. She's she and the thing is, it's like this episode shaped her, and she is helping everyone. She is helping Buffy, people. Buffy shaped her. Buffy yes. made and yes. Buffy made Anne. In yes. many ways. And and this girl stepped up to the plate to do it. And it is incredible. It's like it is and and again, I'm so I'm not gonna do another one, but like <laughs> it is the message of 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 unions and leftism and stuff is that like it's to be inspired to go do some sort of progressive change, to be inspired to lift up other people because you're pro-social, not anti-social, and not under your own name. You know, there, there's a there's a thing in Judaism about levels of good deeds, and it's like whether you get credit, whether um, the credit is from the person or from someone else who knows, or whether you, you even you know who you're helping. And the highest form of a good deed is you don't know who you're helping and they don't know that you helped them. And I think by taking on another name, 
She's not saying to the world, like, I'm this person who has this past. And we get a lot of allusions to she doesn't, she's never had a home and stuff. And, and instead of even a creation of her own, she's like, yeah, I will pick up where you were and I will do better with it. And I will do like work like you do. And she can't fight like Buffy does. And she's certainly, you know, she's got some glaring issues. But when we do see her again, she not only knows how to take care of herself, she knows how to take care of as many of herself as she finds to the point where then when she doesn't have the budget for it, she gets the fucking money. She becomes like this force for fighting everything that was attacking her. And it is so good. And it is, it is so poetically set up because it was the right call for that character. And it means that later, if they want to revisit her, they can just keep growing with it because it was the right call because it's true. And that's when Buffy's at its best is when it's saying something that's so true. Yeah. Parts of high school, parts of growing up, parts of being a force for good in the world, the the ugly parts and the beautiful parts. And this is like a beautiful part that only they will know ha- has yeah. happened. And it's, yes. I, I love it. It's, it's, it makes this episode and it feels fresh every time. Every time this scene feels good. You know, that's... That's the thing I was going to say. Like, I mean, you know, I feel like all of us are always saying good things about Buffy because duh, but like, this is an episode that does still feel like the writing feels fresh. And like, if this were an episode of TV right now, I mean, aside from like updating like cars and them having cell phones, like it would be pretty like one for one, right? Our president is now walking a picket line with, uh, with the auto unions and, and I have to say, like, these themes are more important than ever. But yeah. frankly, mm-hmm. we're pretty easy to overlook in the heyday of the 90s economy. Yes. And they did not need to make an episode about like this, especially because they're all in unions. And I know from having been unionized, it's easy to start taking it for granted. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't. It is a continual fight to keep this top of mind. And this episode does a really great job in an era where that was few and far between. Yeah. And I mean, Ryan, I feel like, take out you saying, you know, this episode did it really well in an era that, and that could be placed in a lot of Buffy episodes, right? It's true. It's true. <laughs> All the gay episodes. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Willow eat Tara eating Willow's pussy while singing about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> I don't think that I mean, if, if I all. got to do it, I'd probably sing a song too. <laughs> um, so then, you know, Buffy leaves and we see her reunite with her mom it's a nice beat, but then I'm like, oh, right, you're gonna be shitty to her next episode in Dead Man's Party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so I guess we are at the end. Before we get to our favorite scene and favorite outfit, I forgot to do my Patreon spiel. Over at the Patreon, we have we are covering Batman the Animated Series, X-Men the Animated Series, and Harley Quinn. We also have Buffy Out of Context, where it's just different Buffy episodes that are either random watch-alongs or just discussions of a Buffy episode. And over there, you will find all the rest of our Season 3 coverage. There will be shorter edited versions going out on our podcast feed after the anniversary, but all of the longer episodes, the rest of them, will be going on Patreon. So if you want to hear those full episodes, subscribe and help keep this podcast going. And... We have a live show coming up this yeah! Halloween. Ryan, do you want to tell everyone what you're going to be? Oh <laughs> my god! Guessing? So I made a point. I mean, we—I didn't bring it up, but uh, <laughs> there was some discussion of Anya's beautiful emotional journey through the course of this show, and <laughs> I made a point of mentioning Olivia Rodrigo a few times to Josie and the Pussycat style incept you into <laughs> coming to the all Anya, all Josie and the Pussy. No, all Anya, all <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo spectacular. 
for our remixed, remastered, rethought, reimagined, choose your own adventure version of Fear Itself at Stonewall, the birthplace of gay rights. And if that sounds like a lot of things going on, you're right. It is. And it's going to be awesome. And you are not prepared for the costumes that I have arriving next week to my home. You are not ready. If you go look at last year's and you think that Darla was fun and very messy, you're right. But you ain't seen nothing yet, okay? So come and get it, big boy. Come to the Stonewall Inn October 29th. Uh, what time is it at 2? Uh, 2. Yeah, doors open two. at 2. Ah, I nailed it. Doors <laughs> open at two, uh, and there will be a sexy initiative member <laughs> literally at the door being a bouncer. Yes. We're, we're planning for it at least, you know. At, <laughs> you know, At some point, I may just have to get on models.com or whatever and fly someone <laughs> in, but it'll be fine. We've got the initiative there, and you're going to, you're going to see some amazing stuff. And the episode Fear Itself is a classic, and we have some hilarious people reading it, but it is filled with new material that you will decide uh, the progression of the show. So if you'd like to see how that works out, you know, come on down and see the All-American Anya Jenkins. Yay. Yes. And Ryan sent me. Ryan, but the the, the wild thing is Ryan and I talked about this and I feel like not an hour later, you're like, oh, look at all the costumes I got. <laughs> like you found that shit <laughs> in a second. Um, I have but- like a true sixth sense for Halloween costumes and also remember everything that Emma Caulfield has ever worn. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, Favorite scene, Nicholas? Um, oh, gosh. I, I think, honestly, my favorite scene is the last scene with Buffy and Lily because it rings true to me a lot. I've that what Lily is experiencing towards the end of being unsure of how to take care of herself on her own without people around her while still being inspired by somebody yeah. like Buffy is something that I recently have had to deal with moving across the country and being on my own in a completely new place without anybody I know. So I I love the fact that I am now in my thirties. I have been watching this show since the day it came out and I am still relating to it and still being inspired by it. So that scene is very important to me. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Because like, we all still love the show, even though it's been 25 fucking years. More, more in, in different ways. True. Yeah. Um, Brett, favorite scene? I mean, uh, I'll I'll call it. It's you know, hot Buffy <laughs> Vampire Slayer. I mean, this is like yeah. fuck. Yeah. I think about. I honestly think about that scene uh, all the time. Right, I do think about that a lot. Still. Like I, I feel like I say that often, but I do think like it's such a good fuck yeah moment. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the greatest y'all done fucked up. Yeah, yeah moments ever. I mean, yeah, uh, Ryan. Um, it's Buffy holding the hammer and sickle. I yeah. never thought, you know, I never thought that that, that, uh, you know, uh, at the time that I saw it, it was kind of surprising and interesting to me. And when I look back, I would have never thought you would have gotten that on TV or like in this show. And yeah. so while there's other more well-written or poignant moments, this is my favorite moment of Buffy period. <laughs> and it's the photo I use every time I reference Buffy in like a <laughs> meme or something. Cause I want to <laughs> remind people again, Josie and the pussycat style brainwashing on my part. <laughs> Propaganda truly. <laughs> so me, it's a tie between I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer, and you are, and her, that whole scene where she's breaking in your office and going through your private files and then mm-hmm. ripping the phone off the wall. Cause like, <laughs> ah, so good. Um, there aren't a lot this episode, but favorite outfit, Ryan? 
Uh, I'm not going to say the <laughs> potato bag sack or whatever. <laughs> um, when Cordelia comes to the bronze for cry night, what a slay. Oh, my God. That woman, uh, Charisma Carpenter, uh, just wear clothes, please, all yeah. the time. Oh, my God. So good. So good. What a look. Uh, Brett. Uh, I mean, uh, anything Giles is wearing that, I mean, that's in terms of like what I would wear. Yeah. That's. I, Brett, I love when I have you on because you always, you, uh, you bring the like suit appreciation. <laughs> yeah. Giles is Giles, uh, timeless, timeless. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick. I was a big fan of Willow's look when we first see her in the library right after the opening okay. credits. And she's got like the little bucket hat on and it's just like different shades of purple. I'm obsessed with it. And, I really like Oz. The outfit Oz is wearing in the opening is like something I would have wanted to pull off back then, but would have felt too mm. self-conscious because he looks like very you like pull it off. I mean, now I could, but back then I would have been like, oh, no, I'm not cool enough. Um, but he's like, looks very like dude in a band that Ian would crush on for the rest of his life, which he does. Um, what grade do we give this episode, Nick? Uh, this is an A plus for me. Brett? I mean, I would probably say... B plus only because I know the spectrum of Buffy episodes. And so even something like this, I'm like, that does sometimes make it harder, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just like, <laughs> it's uh, no pangs. I fucking love pangs. <laughs> Ryan. Well, when it comes to spectrums, I'm on one and I will say I have a special interest for communism and this is an A plus 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 off the charts. My favorite episode. Hell yeah. Let's do it again next week. I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, I give it I give it an A plus. I mean, I do have trouble because Brett, you're right. It's like sometimes when I grade these episodes, I'm like, I love this one, but I do love these two more. What can I give above an A plus? But like, you know, the bars high. SSS tier or whatever people <laughs> yeah. on YouTube end up doing. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, thank you all for doing this. I'm really excited to kick off our 25th anniversary coverage of Buffy season three, which in the discord, uh, I think it was Amanda had asked me was like, I wouldn't be mad if you did every episode. And I was like, well, good news because I am because like, I love this season. I think this season is like nearly perfect. Um, Five is my favorite, but three is a very close second. And Agreed. three, I, I feel like three has no skips. There's no episode where I'm like, nope. right? Like, They're all good. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is, I mean, clearly when the show got a bigger budget, right? It's it, it's also when the show got its logo. Isn't yeah. it? It was like, it was that weird, like, almost like sketchy yes. Buffy for the first two seasons. I always forget that. Um, yeah. Brand Tracy Martell Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Kirkland's own slayer. <laughs> but if you like us, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and you can find us on YouTube. Uh, feel free to give us a good rating and subscribe to us. And if you want to follow us on social, we are on all social media platforms at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me i'm at enx carlos ryan where can everyone find you and your things i'm on instagram at ryan Houlihan. i post like it's a tumblr page uh and then you can find me on youtube youtube.com slash at ryho r-y-h-o where i do videos about pop culture and femininity and politics and obviously i'm a communist so please come the last one was about barbie and the next one is about why it's really good to pirate your favorite movies and tv shows good for you and good for the world <laughs> Ryan, I was like just about to say, 
don't forget to mention the Barbie one because I love that one. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, the next episode, everyone was like, are you going to dress up as a lady pirate? No, I'm dressing <laughs> as Catwoman because that's how it's fun to steal things. <laughs> <laughs> so you can be hot while you're stealing. Things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Brett, where can everyone find you when you're writing? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Brett White. And I don't want to. Now, you know what? Don't find me on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> the hell they're calling. I don't want to play that game. Um, and you can follow my drag exploits at, at Barb Hardly on Instagram and uh, YouTube. And also my podcast must have seen TV that I host as Barb Hardly when I have three hours to prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the way. (laughs) And Nick, where can everyone find you and your channel? Um, You can find my YouTube channel. It is Nick Says Boo. You could also find me on Instagram and Twitter slash X or whatever it's called now. Also at Nick Says Boo and on Patreon at Nick Says Boo. You have. Oh, made- and also on the horror hour. I keep forgetting that I'm a co host on that. Right. Nick is cheating on me. He's a co host there as well. Um, Nick, <sighs> it's you- 2023. We're, we're open. Oh, fine. True. We do share Chris Evans. <laughs> Ethically so. non monogamous <laughs> podcaster. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, Nick, you have the best, most consistent branding. And I'm very, I'm always very impressed that you have Nick Says Boo everywhere. Like, I don't even know where I came up with that, but thank you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I literally. It's Slayerfest X98 just because Slayerfest98 was like taken on all social media platforms. That's why like our handle has the X. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you all for joining me. And uh, I'm looking forward to covering this season again. We'll talk to you later. Bye.